Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Perseverance. It's the art of never giving up. No matter how difficult the task before you or how long it will take to achieve success, it is a trait that can be learned and cultivated, and it is essential for anyone looking to succeed in life. Perseverance requires dedication, patience, and resilience in the face of failure and obstacles. It allows us to keep pushing forward despite any setbacks we may face along our journey. With this perseverance, we can change any challenge into an opportunity for growth and success. Those who have cultivated this highly desirable attribute are typically the first ones to share their testimony to encourage and inspire others. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, and I would encourage you to please submit those to any of the hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop down menu. We'd love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you are able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is a woman who is the very definition of perseverance. Courtney Turner is the host of the Courtney Turner podcast, WIM, What is Movement? And her new show coming soon, The Right Voices. She is also a speaker and aerial acrobatic performer. Having spent her academic career largely steeped in the world of philosophical and psychological texts and being a passionate athlete and performing artist, paved the way for the world in which she is currently immersed. Many today know her as the host of the Courtney Turner podcast, where she boldly seeks truth, diving into a myriad of deep topics surrounding issues of health, fitness, medicine, philosophy, psychology, politics, geopolitics, and sociocultural zeitgeist. However, she was born with a rare set of circumstances that has greatly impacted her perspective on life. Her mother was told the best she could hope for was a nice institution in which to spend her life. Surmounting that dire prognosis drove her fascination with the human psyche. She believes humans are capable of so much more than most realize and can defy the greatest odds. Through all of her content creation, writing, speaking, and performing, she aims to inspire, inform, and empower, and hopefully contribute to the preservation of the free will of humanity. Courtney, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You know, so we've we've connected briefly at several local events, right? And we're both yes. in the Nashville area. Yes. And, uh, and I knew about your podcast. I know I I I owe you an interview still. I know. 
That's good. I know how busy you are. Oh, it's so crazy. But um, I, you know, I, I never really realized the depth of your personal story. Um, so I'm just fascinated by all you have overcome to be where you are. And I'm, I really am uh, happy to be able to share that with our, with our listeners. So I just want to let you kind of share your story uh, because it really is just incredible. If you want to tell us about, you know, your condition uh, and, and how that's the challenges that you've had. Sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. So when my mom was in first trimester of pregnancy, she was sick. Um, and, uh, you know, there had been at the time my father had been sick, uh, maybe 10 days a week or two weeks before. And it, he had contracted that this is where it gets really crazy. Um, and I always feel like I have to qualify everything because, you know, in this this current milieu, people have all sorts of theories. And so I'm really just sharing the story as it was told to me, um, you know, so I, I'll just like tell you exactly what it, what it is uh, to clarify. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm, you know, because on my podcast, I have gone down like the germ versus terrain theory uh, rabbit holes. And right. so this is, I'm just putting forth the story as it was told, because I think it's important for people to hear the whole story. Um, but yeah, I just, ha- I always feel like we have to qualify everything these days <laughs> because people get very adamant about things <laughs> and very passionate. Um, but yeah, so she, my doctor was my mom's OBGYN and, uh, my father was good friends with him and they had, you know, socialized together. The wife had been traveling and contracted what she believed was German measles. And my father then, you know, shortly after was very, very ill, had a fever of 104, was delirious. And then my mom found a rash on her upper chest. She knew she was pregnant, and so she started doing a bunch of research, and she was convinced that she had germ measles. Uh, you can't test whether or not you have germ measles, but you can test the titer to see if the baby has been aff- afflicted. The doctor was dyslexic, however, so he read the titer as being 112, and it was 121. Oh. When I was born... They, if he had read the doctor, if the doctor had read the titer correctly, my mom would have had an abortion. So mm. I would not be here. When I was born, the hospital knew uh, that the doctor was dyslexic and suspected that he had made a mistake and they were covering up. So my mom kept finding little things that indicated to her that something wasn't quite right. And she kept asking them to do tests. They were covering up and didn't want to reveal Uh, what the test would show. So uh, they, you know, they told her that everything was fine. Everything was normal. Uh, For instance, one of my eyes kept rolling up in the top of my head and she kept asking about that. And they told her the baby's eyes don't focus. Now, of course, that doesn't make any sense. Why is one eye focusing, but the other eye doesn't? (laughs) So she was very baffled and insisted that they continue to test. She eventually found a doctor um, who she said, because she realized that my uh, one eye looked a lot like my grandfather's, her father. So my maternal grandfather, and uh, he had just had cataracts. So she finally found a doctor who did confirm I was born with a cataract in one eye. And back then, cataract surgery was very different than what it is today. It's pretty routine today. You know, uh, most people don't have much complication and they do very well with cataract uh, removal these days. But 
back then it was a much more complicated and invasive procedure and they actually pulled my iris and left debris so they had to go and do what's called a retinal cleanup when they did the retinal cleanup they found rubella pigmentation behind my sighted eye uh, or at least that's you know what they indicated so i then from there, uh, they, you know, suspected that there would be a whole bunch of other complications, including hearing impairment. I had to have heart surgery when I was a year old. I was born with hypotonic limbs, uh, fine graphic motor impairment, asymmetrical bone development, uh, stunted growth, dental complications. And they told my mom that the best she could hope was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. My parents actually sued for my birth because the alternative would have been an abortion. And so they called it a wrongful birth case. And uh, it was around the same time, and our lawyer was uh, the same lawyer for the Larry Flint Hustler case. That's just an interesting little tidbit. But yeah, they uh, did sue for my birth. And uh, I, I don't, I, again, feel like I have to qualify. I have a great relationship with my parents. In no way do I think that they didn't want me born. <laughs> um, but if that was the angle that the lawyers took because that was the, you know, they did know that there were going to be medical complications for the rest of my life. So I uh, got hearing aids when I was about six years old. I learned how to speak by reading lips. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll stop there. But. Yeah. So, and when it, that's incredible. And I really had no idea of any of that. Like I said, so I'm glad that we connected again and, you know, I was able to, to, to hear your story when you sent that to me. And I thought, oh my God, you know, we, we've got to inspire courage in others um, and challenges because, you know, we're all facing so many challenges, but what, what was it like for you growing up with all of these uh, issues what was that like in, you know, when you started going to attending school and all of that? What were those challenges like for you? Um, it was definitely difficult. Uh, you know, I my earlier years were probably easier than it was as I got a little bit older. Uh, children are very young. Children don't actually know what's quote unquote normal and what's not, you know, so they're they're actually pretty accepting and so really early childhood was not nearly as difficult as it was as I got older and things started to become more apparent that I had these complications and these challenges, but functioning was difficult. I, uh, you know, because I was blind one eye, I'm hearing impaired. I wore a patch over my sighted eye every other day of my childhood. So I was essentially blind and deaf every other day of my childhood uh, I remember I had a boyfriend in nursing school and his job was to help me rip off my patch when I got to school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so certain things were definitely much more challenging. And I did a lot of mimicking because I was trying to figure out how to speak and because I learned how to speak by reading lips. I didn't get hearing aids until I was almost six years old. And that was how I learned to read lip, uh, how to speak was by lip reading. So I did a lot of mimicking and, uh, you know, hand gesturing. So things that uh, were not necessarily as, uh, I, I guess, uh, customary. And I, I hesitate to use the word normal because I think everybody really has their own process. But yeah. True. And so, but you did attend like a mainstream school? I was mainstreamed from, yeah, from the beginning. 
yeah, I was mainstreamed. And uh, I actually, in terms of uh, academics, uh, I was able to uh, catch on and immerse pretty quickly. And uh, as I said, socially, it was not as problematic until I got a little bit older. You know, really, I would say maybe first grade was where socially things became much more difficult and challenging. Yeah, because, you know, what children that they when they don't understand uh, things can can be cruel. Did you face any bullying or anything like that? Oh, Just it was awful. They yeah. were awful. Yeah. I mean, I would get into physical fights with kids. <laughs> like They were really awful. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's a lot of that, unfortunately, that goes on. So you really didn't have the resources as far as, you know, with your disability. Did you have any help or resources in the school or you were pretty much on your own to, you know, use these strategies like mimicking and lip reading? Is that things that you just were able to come up with yourself? Yeah. To, to deal in with fact, so uh, we went to the Roosevelt Institute. It was just that in between time, uh, that was the only clinic that was left. And I had, you know, because you do all of these uh, different, you know, what seemed very odd. Uh, that's why they had initially thought I was going to be autistic and retarded. Um, but it was what the Roosevelt Clinic, and they told my mom there was no hope for me, but what my, the Roosevelt Clinic told my mom was that uh, they knew I was going to be fine. And she said, why? A lot of people aren't saying that. Why Why do you think that? And they told her that it was because uh, I they could see that my imagination was my biggest coping mechanism. And I used to, I created something called Bubble Land. You know, kids love to blow bubbles, and I was no different in that regard. But I would invite people into Bubble Land. You could only get there if you were invited by me. And I would, we really spoke gibberish in Bubble Land. And I think it what, and this is what the Roosevelt Institute confirmed, was that it was incredibly healing and incredibly uh valuable for developing my interpersonal skills because children are masters of improv. And what I mean by that is that one of the first rules of improv is you can't say no, but, or, you know, and, or it's always yes. And that's the first rule of improv. Anybody who's done improv knows that that's the first rule and children kind of instinctively do that. They go along and they're curious and they're playful. And so and they're still learning. They're not so rigid in their uh, linguistic context. So they're still learning that. And they're still, uh, so they're much more malleable, much more accepting in that regard. And so they, we would communicate in, in what probably looked like gibberish, but it was very, very helpful because I, and this is what they said. They said, I was able to create my own world at, because I recognized that I didn't fit into the, you know, mainstream world that they, you know, the world that everybody else was engaged. And so I was trying to figure out how to bridge the gap. And yeah, so I, I had all sorts of things like that. Uh, my, because I was born with hypotonia, my uh, baby nurse came up with this idea of putting me in a wet sandbox. She said I had, she could see I had a really determined personality. Mm -hmm. And she said, if we put these toys just outside of reach, I bet she's going to reach for them. And so they were just out of reach and I would have to push through the wet sand in order to reach and retrieve the toys. And the hope was that it would help build uh, some sort of neuromuscular stimuli that would lead to uh, neuromuscular coordination and eventually hypertrophy. And it was successful. Some of the other things they did were 
my mom had this idea of building a beam because, as I said, I wore a patch over my sighted eye every other day of my childhood. So I was essentially blind and deaf every other day of my childhood. And uh, that that's a major impairment to the vestibular or the proprioception. Um, so she had this idea of having this beam and my grandfather built it. And my reward, if I completed the beam, whether I had the patch on or not, at the end of the week, if I completed it every day successfully, they would make the beam narrower. (laughs) (laughs) So, but when I was about four years old, I went to day camp and I saw they had a balance beam, uh, you know, in the gymnasium. And I, you know, it was very familiar, very exciting to me. And I fell in love with gymnastics from a very young age. So I think that really helped with, you know, my uh, obviously compensation for lack of vestibular science, lack of proprioception, but also just to help build my kinesphere and develop interpersonal relations because it gives you a sense of your space, your place in the world in in terms of physical space and relation, uh, which is, I think we underestimate just how valuable that is to especially a child's development. Yes. And and I will tell you, you know, I did a little bit of gymnastics when I was a child, but I will also tell you that I have like virtually no center of gravity whatsoever. Um, And I think it's just amazing to me that just despite all of your, you know, your challenges, your physical challenges, I mean, acrobatics takes an incredible amount of of balance. And Mm -hmm. for you to be able to do that despite your physical challenges, um, it, it must have taken or did it take um, you, you know, how, how much of uh, what extra work did you have to put in to become, um, you know, proficient at gymnastics? Well, I'll give you a story that will kind of, uh, explain that. I it was seven years old and I was, uh, in, in gymnastics and of course they, there's the, the team and they're practicing and those are the big kids who I wanted to be like, of course, <laughs> and they were all doing back walkovers on the beam. And I remember watching in awe and I wanted to do that. And the coach came over to me. I guess she could see that I found that interesting. And she came over to warn me that I was never to try it because due to my, uh, you know, hearing and my visual challenges that I would never be able to land successfully and that it was just far too dangerous for me to even attempt. So I began, I I very much have a personality where if you tell me I can't do something, I'm like, let me show you. So I started practicing on the floor, on a line on the floor. And then I worked my way up to a low beam. And then I started putting mats on the side of these, you know, in between beam. I eventually was able to get to the point where I was confident completing it, you know, repeatedly with success on the high beam. And of course I wanted to show the coach. And so I called her over and I was terrified. It's like, I have something to show you. And she was speechless and she wasn't typically speechless. She called me into her office and I was so scared that I was going to be reprimanded and scolded and probably kicked out of the gym. And she told me that I had two options and she pointed to a t-shirt and then she pointed to what was a team jacket. And she said, you can have one of these two things. And I said, well, if I pick the jacket, does that mean I'm on the team? And she said, yeah. So I, uh, I, I disobeyed her, but I, I did, I did complete the back walk over on the beam, although it took a lot of, you know, effort and work and, uh, 
but I did complete it and uh, I made the team. That's amazing. And this is something you did all on your own. So you didn't have anybody else encouraging you to do that. That was just something that you decided you were going to do. She told you, hey, better not. And you said, yeah. I'm going to do Now, how long did that take you to perfect that? It, it, I, I think, you know, it's hard to say because I was seven years old, but I think it really was a probably a few months. It wasn't like an overnight thing. It was constant, constant practice. And you never gave up in that time. That's incredible, Courtney. Yeah. Thank wow. you. And so did your parents know uh, or did anybody know that you were kind of pushing uh, forward with that? Yeah, they were very supportive of gymnastics. Um you know, and I did a lot of the individual sports, you know, so I, I did horseback riding, water skiing, snow skiing. Uh, the the ball sports were not so much my thing. I have zero hand-eye coordination, not surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> and even now when I do CrossFit, you know, some of the things that are really just difficult for me are like wall balls. Uh, sometimes I actually have a traumatic response to it when we get to a certain number and I, I'll just start crying. It's It's just that much of a demand on my nervous system. Uh, box jumps, like I have to really pause to size because I can intellectually compensate for lack of depth perception. But what I can't compensate for is lack of motion parallax that I just don't get motion parallax because you need two eyes in order to perceive that. Right. So some of those things are very uh, difficult for me. But yeah, they were very supportive, uh, especially of the individual sports and I, I think it was incredibly valuable for me uh, in developing in so many ways, obviously physically, you know, in developing those coping mechanisms. But I think also, you know, as I was saying before, the uh, interpersonal kind of self-awareness, I think there's just so many lessons. I think it's true for everybody. I think, uh, you know, sports and especially individual sports teach you so much about life. And I would say it's like a metaphor for life. And it teaches you a lot about overcoming adversity, not just in those arenas, but in other areas of life. But I think for me in particular, having had all of those physical challenges, it was really a way of proving to myself that I could do hard things and learning that, you know, those challenges were not only only worthy of taking on, but that they would help me, you know, throughout my life. Yeah, that's incredible because, you know, so many people that do have disabilities and physical challenges or mental challenges, you know, a lot of people, um, if they're not pushed or they don't have that kind of, you know, uh, intestinal fortitude, they, they just don't they don't try to to do much because they're told that they can't exactly um, and and which is to me just sad you know we we want to be able to push ourselves uh to overcome adversity and you've done just that um and it's what an incredibly inspiring story you have so i'm so excited that mm -hmm. that we connected again and that i i really learned more um about what's going on with you so that we could share this with others but so you know, I know that there have been times where your disability has, has there been, actually has there been a time that your disability has held you back from achieving something that you wanted to do, um, but you just weren't able to, because it sounds to me like you just overcome everything that comes your way. Thank you. Uh, no, there's definitely been many times. Um, you know, I, I try not to let that be an excuse or an obstacle. I mean, there's certain things that I, you know, I, it's, I we can like ball sports, you know, it's just not worth it for me. I'm not even going to, I did try. I And that's uh, the key, isn't it? That you tried. Oh, I did. I came yeah. 16th of an inch of going blind playing lacrosse. I the, got hit with the ball and it scratched a 16th of an inch away from the cornea and the ISD out of, and I actually continue to play, but with a mat, with a 
helmet. Uh, back then, they did not allow helmets for women, so I wasn't allowed to compete. I could only train. So we eventually walked away from that. But uh, <laughs> but I, I was stubborn. I did persist for a while. I continued to go to uh, practice, you know, wearing the helmet, but I couldn't compete. So it was, you know, I, I did eventually uh, sw- move on because, you know, for time's sake. But but yeah, they're definitely recently. Uh, it's kind of the story of how my podcast was born. I was facing a lot of challenges. And I think certainly those challenges weren't super unique to me, but I they were exacerbated by my visual and hearing impairment uh, because I was living in Santa Monica, California, and we were forced to wear the mask. And masks l- reduce my already limited peripheral vision. So I have about 60% of the peripheral vision that somebody who sees binocularly would have. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also impair my ability to discern speech from others. So that was becoming incredibly problematic. And I was getting, I wasn't able to train aerial. Uh, all of my speaking and uh, aerial performances had been canceled because of the lockdowns. And then I couldn't even train aerial because they were all the places that would uh, have training were requiring me to wear a mask. And I'm not going to climb 26 feet in the air and invert when I can't hear the instructor below me because they're wearing a mask. And I can't see to, you know, even the full capacity of my already limited vision because I'm now wearing a mask. So that was incredibly depressing for me. And I just felt really isolated and anxious and depressed. And so people had suggested one of the things people had suggested was that I start a podcast. And the idea really terrified me. But I started to think that having naked face conversations might really, you know, save my life and boost my morale. So I had thought that even if it was over Zoom, but at least if I could see people's faces and have meaningful conversations, regardless of whether I started a quote unquote podcast or I actually released any of those conversations, just the act of doing that itself was so enticing to me. And I thought would have so much value. Um, so that was kind of how it was born. That's incredible. And then when was that? Like in 2020 or 2021? Yeah. It, I mean, I, I, I guess I really started in 2020, but I didn't really, I didn't release my first episode until 2021. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that also goes a long way to help to bring more awareness, right? And understanding of those who have disabilities, because, you know, there isn't a lot of understanding. I feel like there was a lack of understanding when we were pushing for these masks and why weren't more people um, aware of the, um, you know, the ramifications of for the the disabled community, your hearing impaired community, um, and and how isolating that must have felt for you. It was awful. I, I mean, I, I I don't think I can fully do justice to just how incredibly I can't imagine for the people who are completely deaf what that was like. I and people would get so frustrated with me because they could tell that I could hear them. I'm like, yeah, I'm wearing my hearing aids. I can hear that there's sound, and we're standing right in front of each other in an environment where it makes sense that you're talking. You know, I don't need to hear you to know that, but that doesn't mean I can. I have clarity of speech or that I have any clue what you're saying, you know? 
Right, right. And so I'm, I'm glad that you found, you know, a, a, an avenue where that you could go down that kind of gave you some uh, release from that frustration. Because I, I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine what that was like. And I've, I've heard that story from many of the uh, disabled, hearing impaired community that uh, that went through that. And it, it, I can imagine how frustrating that that was for you. So what advice would you give to other people who, you know, are born with, uh, with disabilities, as far as overcoming these types of adversities? What's your best advice to them? I, I think my best advice to them would be to find their path. I firmly believe, you know, regardless of disabilities or challenges, because I think we all have our, our challenges, you know, that's a one of the guarantees in life. Nobody is impervious and nobody escapes without having some sort of challenge or struggle um, and suffering. I, I think the other one would be that we're, we're all going to die. We're all mortal. Um, but I, so I think it's not so much about the uh, challenges itself. It's about finding your path because I also think conversely, you know, the flip side of that is that we're all born with unique gifts and talents and if we can find those, then we can find our, our place and our purpose and be of contribution to the world. And I think that's really what we're here to do. So it's about find, and I think our passions lead us towards those, not always, uh, but in many cases they do. And if we can discover what those gifts and talents are, then we can harness those. And, you know, that gives us a sense of joy. It gives us a sense of meaning. It can lead to purpose. And it certainly can help us to be of contribution to others. So, absolutely, and I think it's important to really. I've I've said a million times, I don't understand, you know, why God chose me for this path because there are just so many people who are a million times more qualified for this than I am. But you know, I think we all know that uh, God does not call the qualified; He qualifies the called, and I think that is true in your case as well, Courtney. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa, 24-7, great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time in this World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. 
Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, I've been talking with Courtney Turner, host of the Courtney Turner podcast, and she does have an absolutely incredible story of overcoming adversity. Courtney, thank you again for being here with me today. Um, and I know we started talking a little bit about your your podcast um, and kind of how you you know got started with that. Um, but what do you think? And I'd love to to hear some um, of your thoughts on this because I am I'm fairly new to this talk radio thing. I've just kind of transitioned from a bedside ICU nurse to now a talk radio host, and you know about a million other things as well. Um, so I really want to know you know your feedback. What do you think makes a successful uh, you know podcaster or talk show host? Oh, that's such a great question, and I am not sure I'd be the one to give the answer. I really have no idea what makes success these days. Mm. I think that uh, this is a really difficult time to be a podcaster and radio host are very different things. Mm. And there's certainly different mediums and they have different distribution modalities. So success, uh, you know, in those two would be uh, there's there's just different factors involved. But uh, I, I think these past few years has been really difficult for podcasters because of all the censorship. So I don't know that I started in the best time for success, <laughs> but I think that people are looking for, especially now they want, they want to feel like they're getting a window into, like, I think that's what the conversations are. So uh, why they're so uh, popular and valuable because what I try with my show in particular, because I do cover some pretty, uh, it can be pretty technical. It can be pretty uh, academic. Some of the topics are pretty heavy. And I, what I try to do is make it conversational so that the information can be ascertained in a way that might not be accessible to somebody in a book or a lecture. And I think that's part of why people like podcasts because they feel like they're listening to a conversation and that can be a little bit more accessible for people and also enjoyable as well. Yeah, I would agree with that, you know, because I've had, um, you know, you we interview 
a variety of guests on the show. We have nurses, we have doctors, we have, you know, just everyday people. But it's sometimes when you, you can talk to a doctor, and I know this because I've been in healthcare for a very long time, 26 years now, sometimes doctors just don't have a, um, a good way of communicating. You know, they, they're they so intelligent and sometimes they're not able to speak at a level where, um, you know, your, your um, regular folks can understand, right? So I think that's where nurses come in and we're able to kind of educate and simplify things a little bit for people. Um, um, because a lot of doctors just don't recognize that they, not everybody understands what you're saying, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, but so I think also just having the, the conversational yeah. aspect, uh, really changes it from, even from lecture format, whereas, uh, you know, somebody, there are, there are many people, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people today don't read at all, but there are many people who really don't have the capacity whether they don't have the time or they don't have the attention span because uh, things have been dumbed down so much and we live in such an instant gratification, uh, you know, the the 142nd character world that we live in today, a lot of people really are not capable of sitting down and reading. And even lectures can be uh, less fruitful for some people. But when you hear in a conversation, you know, there are topics that that one might think is over their head. And when they hear two people having a conversational format uh, in a conversational format, they they realize that they, they can pick up things that they might not otherwise. Yeah, I would agree. I think sometimes in the lecture format, you know, it sounds like somebody's kind of droning on you. People just lose the attention span. Like you said, we our attention span is like that of a gnat these days. Um, and even myself, you know, I was a voracious reader. I love to read. I used to read all of the time. And mm -hmm. now I just can't even seem to, I mean, I've got a lot going on, but I can't even seem to be able to sit down and, you know, read one chapter of a book. So, right. which is disappointing to me. There's so many incredible books that, uh, you know, we're all writing in this <laughs> And this incredible, you know, in the movement and in this fight and this craziness yeah. of these last three years, so many books have been put out and we, um, you know, we're all hungry for information, but it's been so difficult. I've had to like do uh, podcasts and, you know, audibles and that sort of thing in order to, um, to really get the information in. So I think you're right. This is a very, very important medium to have. Absolutely. Yeah. As far as success, I don't really know. I think, uh, but I think to bring something of value to people, so whether that be entertainment or it's information, uh, yeah. That's, that's what people that's are so looking true. for. I say that all the time, Courtney, because I think it's so important. You know, I, I think a lot of uh, what held me back with what I was doing with Nurse Freedom Network, what I was doing with Remnant Nursing, I was trying to build something and I was, it was taking me longer than I would have liked it to. And mm -hmm. I kept, I just kept people like, well, why don't you just put it out there? Just put it out there. And I was like, listen, I want to give people something of value. That's important to me. You know, I don't want like when I'm putting out a subscription based service or anything like that, I didn't feel comfortable like just ha having people send money without right. getting anything of value in return. You know, um, so I think that's so important. I don't think enough people consider that these days. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. It's it's needed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, you know, some, I, you know, I'm thinking about strategies, right? Like, how do we keep our audience's attention? Like, mm -hmm. as you, you talked about you know, well, the, the attention span, the conversational is, is great. What other strategies do you use? Cause I, I'm telling you, I need the, I need the tips. <laughs> so I, I, I remember, uh, I, I was an actress and I remember my acting teacher repeated a line from Marlon Brando. And he said that interesting people are interested. 
And I, I've really never forgotten that because I think that's so profound. You know, people, I think a lot of people, especially uh, personalities, entertainment medium personalities, whether they actresses or, you know, actors or uh, singers or whatnot, or, or just uh, now we live in reality personalities. So uh, they want to be so they want to be interesting. Right. But they don't think often about being interested. And I, I think that that is if you are engaged and you are interested then your audience will be most likely as well, or at least they have a much better chance to be. So that's something I really try. I mean, most of what I do, you know, people were always telling me when I first started the podcast, you know, getting all this advice from everybody. And I was like, well, that's really not interesting to me. And, you know, at the time I wasn't looking to do it as a a business or I was really doing it for me. So I was like, well, I'm going to do, that's why it's the Courtney Turner podcast. I'm going to do what Courtney Turner wants to do. (laughs) So so that, but that is something I I think translates because obviously not everything that's interesting to me is going to be interesting to everybody. But I think for sure, if I'm bored, my audience is very likely going to be as well. So yeah, so I think keeping things, maintaining that level of engagement and personal interest what is going to interest you what is because if if it's and that's something too when I ask questions often I think about that you know well no matter how dumb the question may sound or how uh you know un unuseful if it's something that's really pressing to me I'm like well there must be somebody else who's thinking that too they must be curious as well so yeah I that hopefully that will provide some value for for somebody else as well Exactly. Yeah. I always feel like I'm just flying by the seat of my pants over here, you know, just <laughs> going from this nurse. I'm like, I'm a nurse. I don't know. Give me some grace. We'll see how it goes. You know, I said that well, in my first great, episode. So. <laughs> I said that in my first episode. I'm like, so I'm a nurse. I don't know how I ended up here, but you know, I, I like asked for a little bit of grace and, you know, hopefully uh, so far we've gotten a really good reception for the show. So, so I'm excited moving forward. And, uh, you know, I think just keeping it, you know, real and authentic and just being ourselves is is yeah. important. I think that resonates with people also. People are definitely hungry for authenticity. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, I kind of I am what I am and I'm I'm doing the best I can. And you know, you, you either give us grace or you don't, you know. So yeah. but I, I, I definitely want to hear though. I I have to hear about this your aerial acrobatics. So you are still doing that, correct? I am still doing that, and I am going to be performing at the event on June 3rd and 4th. Yes, let's talk about that event. So June 3rd and 4th, I'm so excited. Now, I had seen this event. I had seen the flyer kind of circulating for this event, and I saw the name of it, right? It's the name alone. I was like, okay, I have to be there. It's it's Rebels (laughs) for a Cause, and I'm like, okay, these are my people. This is my tribe because I'm rebel, you know, I'm just a rebel. Yeah. So, um, so that definitely sounds like my kind of group. Uh, but and I'm looking at the incredible lineup that you've got coming. It's June 3rd and 4th, and it's in Nashville. Um, you've got Alex Zek is coming. Yes. Okay. Oh, She's Kathy awesome. O'Brien. Oh, I love Kathy O'Brien. She's just amazing. She's wonderful. I, I just texted incredible. her this morning. Actually, she's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've gotten to see her speak multiple times now, and she's. I know I was at the event, and you were there as well. Um, and that wasn't, I think that was in Nashville, wasn't it? Yes. Well, yeah, it was, it might've been outside of Nashville. This is, this event's actually going to be in Franklin, Tennessee, but yeah. Franklin. Okay. Oh, at the factory, right? Yes. Liberty Hall. Yes, yeah. perfect. Uh, and that's such a great, uh, great area. I know I, that's where we had our Nurse Freedom Network event last year. So um, yeah. great, 
people in that area. So I'm excited to go there. And Kevin Jenkins, Kevin Jenkins is going to be there as well. Yes. Let's see who else is coming. Let me look at this fly. Yeah, we have an incredible, incredible lineup, both of speakers as well as musicians and artists. I'm doing aerial. We have some comedy acts. Uh, So, yeah, I'm really excited about the lineup. They're they're all, like, very different. uh, But really, I think they all add so much. So I'm really excited about that. There's definitely a lot of that. Oh, Ryan Christian, I owe him an interview, too. So... (laughs) All right. You better get these interviews scheduled I before I get down there. Morning too. I actually, but we have a show together. Uh, we started something called Pirate Stream Media because they're really atomizing the alternative media so yeah. that we can't collaborate and cross pollinate and uh, you know work together. So because they they want to keep us uh, isolated. So we've created something called Pirate Stream Media at, to hopefully be an aggregate for the alternative media and we have a show called dialectical dissidents mm-hmm. where we try to pull people out of the wizard circle that is the two-party illusion and uh, create a conversation that's outside of the mainstream narratives that's so important i think that is so important and i've said this multiple times you know uh that we've we've got to stop thinking of these issues as left and right when it's really up or down and we've really got to shatter that narrative and and find a way to unite and come together so i couldn't uh be more supportive of that idea um but i think well, you guys interviewed uh dr mccullough and i on that show or or yes. that network. Yes. yes i okay i remember now um at the what was that the reawakened i do so many events sometimes i can't yeah. even I can't even remember. But yeah, that was an incredible, I thought it was a great interview um, and, and just you. loved you guys. So, and uh, Dr. McCullough loved you guys as well. He he told me that multiple times. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a great interview. Um, I, I think the dynamic between the three of us is really, really special. Mm-hmm. I don't really have another word for it. I, I think it is really special because I think we all bring such a different perspective to the table. You know, we're aligned, I think, in our broad view but when it comes to nuances we actually have very uh we we do have different perspectives on things but yet there's so much uh respect and curiosity that i think it makes for really interesting conversation yeah and that's you know what we've got to learn to be able to talk to one another have conversations with one another when we agree or when we disagree we cannot keep sitting in these you know our echo chambers and or in our silos we've got to come together and find a way you know to uh, live you know amongst yeah. one another i mean we don't all have to think exactly alike or be exactly alike and i think there's just so much division uh, in our world today and i really hope I that design yeah, I'm telling you, I hope that the, the silver lining of COVID is that, you know, so many of uh, the the, the um, federal agencies, the captured federal agencies, big pharma, you know, all of them have really overplayed their hand. And mm-hmm. I think in doing so, it's awakened so many people. And I hope and pray that we are going to start to realize that we have so much more in common than we do uh, differences. Yeah, and that's a huge part of what what this event is all about. So it's Rebels for Cause, and Cause stands for Creative Artists Uniting for the Sovereignty of Everyone. And I think there is so much for us to disagree over and for us to, you know, uh, allow them to win with dividing and conquering. But the one thing that I think we can really get behind and come together around is building community, is art. We are creative beings. Most of the art that we un- has unfortunately been infiltrated for the purposes of social engineer 
engineering and culture creation. And we want to celebrate and honor art that is authentic, that is pro-humanity, that is pro-freedom, liberty-minded. And without being pedantic, it's really just, I think the main crux of this event is about art, freedom, liberty, humanity, and community. And I, I don't see how you can argue about those things. Exactly. How can you not unite around those uh, principles? And on the other side, so literally across the street is the Pride event. Uh, they're doing their Pride Festival. So I, I think it shows just how needed this event is because they really own the culture. Yes. Uh, you know, And that that's not to say that people can't do whatever they want to do, but that they're really pushing this culture and they're pushing it on children. Yeah. And that is definitely... Uh, you know, in my mind, that's problematic. I, I think that, you know, that's where I kind of draw the line. It's like adults want to do what they want to do. That's that's their business. But to be pushing this culture where you're, you know, really targeting children is that that's not OK to me. And a bridge too far for me is when I know that they are performing gender affirming surgeries. And this yep. is happening right here in Tennessee. This is happening oh, in Vanderbilt. And, and that, you know, as a nurse, of course, is very disturbing. But I mean, just as um, a mom and as a, a human, right? What are we doing to our children? I right. mean, what are these? What are these? This should be criminal. What are these doctors it thinking? Be. It is. It's I, evil. Yeah, you know what are these dark puberty blockers on children, and literally uh, removing the breasts of ch of children? Right, you're, and it is permanent yeah, solution to a temporary problem, right? So exactly. it's. Why are we not, you know, meeting these people right where they are on their journey and telling them that they are perfect just the way they are? Yep. That's where we need to be coming at them, you know, because they're they're confused, and it's no wonder. Because it, and it's no wonder here. because they're they're getting all these messages that are incredibly confusing. Mm -hmm. So and and this is this is why it, the culture is so important. So yeah, so that that's that's what we're doing, and we're the the idea is that we need to have fun too because they really want us to be you know that we saw this over the past few years. They want us atomized in silos uh, on the metaverse where we're depressed and anxious and filled with despair and fear. And we need to combat that. I always say that the antidote to their agenda, which is to put us into a transhuman leading to a post-human world that's controlled by an AI hyperic mind that they program, the best antidote to that is for us to be more radically human. And humans yeah. are social, creative beings, so... Yeah, I think we really, you know, I'm, me personally, I tend to connect with people on a deeper level. I always have. And mm -hmm. for me, I don't like superficial you know, yeah. relationships. I like to either, either. Have that, you know, either have that deep connection with somebody or it's more like an acquaintance. You know, there's really no in between or gray area for me. And I don't, I think a lot of these, uh, this newer, you know, younger generation, maybe their relationships are very superficial. Like mm -hmm. they don't have, or they don't know how to deeply connect with people. And it's, sure. to me, that's just so sad because that is, you know, the crux of all of our um, humanity is the relationships we have with others. Absolutely. I feel like that's so missing now. I, I just, and I, I hope that we can find a way to bring that back. Me Otherwise, too. I just, oh gosh, I just, I, I just really fear for the future. 
We are not meant to live in a spirit of fear. No. We're not. Um, in fact, the Bible commands 365 times to do not exactly. fear, right? So I think, and in a lot of what we're doing and what we're trying to focus on is solution based. And, you know, a lot of people, it's great. I think events are amazing. I want to see more solution based events. Um, with action steps on what do we, so I love what you're saying about, you know, you're doing what you can do, building community, getting the message out there. All of this is so important because, you know, we can't just sit in our silos and just, you know, wonder what they're going to do to us next. And a lot of people are doing that. And it's so sad. We've got to be solution-based and we can't just, you know, um, be angry all the time. And it is, it's very frustrating. It's very angry. We're not we should never forget what they've done to us, but Mm -hmm. we've got to take these steps to make sure that it never happens again. Exactly. So yeah. I love what I love what you're talking about um, and being yeah. solution based. And more of that, please. Um, yes. But so yeah, what's the so the website to for yeah. tickets to this event? It is www.rebelsforacause.com. It's, re, it's, it's rebels for cause. No oh, way. rebels for cause. And sorry. Spell out for rebelsforacause.com. Okay. Yeah. Right, Rebel. Let me take this out. I'm going to change that, and we'll make sure that everything is correct in the show notes. We'll have links yes. for our listeners, everybody, so that they can get tickets to that. Um, so yeah. yeah, there'll be lectures, music, comedy, and I'm dying to see this aerial dance. Uh, yes. This is so, uh, so tickets are uh, ticket sales are ending the nineteenth, and early bird sales are ending at the end of this week. So I really encourage people to you know get them sooner rather than later. Um, we the best deals are our couple package, but we only have a few of those left, um, and the VIP are also starting to go. So if you're interested in either of those, definitely don't wait. So yeah, yeah. and with. The aerial that um, I'll just tell you very quickly. I know we're running out of time, but uh, I actually discovered that in trying to. I, I tried out for American Ninja Warrior, and mm-hmm. when I did not, I was looking for ways to build my grip strength, and that was how I discovered aerial. So, wow, that's amazing! I am definitely looking forward to seeing this. Um, and I actually did. I shared the event today on uh, some of my social. I'm going to show share it on a couple of other platforms. Um, and send some emails out because yeah, this is exciting. I love when uh, these great events come to the Nashville area and any opportunity that I have to connect with uh, this amazing community, uh, I'm going to take it. I believe I'm in town, so I'm I'm planning to be. Yay! There. Yeah, we are looking to make this a tour, but right now most of the tickets are selling from far away, which is great. I'm, you know, I'm honored that people, you know, want to fly in and, uh, you know, come to it and we we welcome you. But we really do want to build community. So we want to get local so that we can and then we'll take it on the road and, uh, you know, build community in in all different locations. So but this is going to be the first one and we are probably going to make this like a, you know, the the hometown. So uh, we'll do it here once a year is what we're, we're, that's what we're planning. Yeah. And that's what, that's similar to what I did with Nurse Freedom Network. You know, we started here with, with our fundraiser and our, our patients rights rally. I don't know if you guys were at that. It was last June at the factory. Um, and we wanted to start with a patients rights rally because uh, if you remember last year, that bill in um, our uh, legislature got got killed a patient's rights bill got yeah. killed and shut down um and you know we are looking as nurses to put an end to incentivized medicine um right. because it's dangerous you know so we started here and then we kind of took uh the nurses on the road spreading the message around the country and you know potentially around the globe is there you know this is this is what's needed at yes. this time 
So Amazing. I'm looking forward to anything I can do to help uh, with this event. You know, I am absolutely open to it and we will keep spreading the word for you guys. I'm hoping again, like to be there. And is there opportunity for vendors? Uh, there are opportunities for vendors um, and it, it's on the website. Um, you can book a, a booth. Uh, basic, it basically would be like a table. So yeah, we have another room that's just right behind the main room. So all the vendors can get uh, a space there. That's so exciting. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out um, for for Nurse Freedom Network, Remnant Nursing, or I I, I'm running, I I can't keep on with these um, organizations, all of them. Get nurses out loud, like I'm going to need three booths. So <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we'll also consolidate or figure out which one we're going to go with. Um, but I'm super excited about it, uh, Courtney, and I wish you the very best of luck with this and with uh, with your show. Um, and so really quickly, tell everybody where they can find the Courtney Turner podcast. So I am Courtney. It's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y turner.com and i'm really on all platforms so it's the courtney turner podcast you can find that on rumble rockfin bitshoot odyssey uh all the audio platforms i am on youtube however i i've had to kind of pirate stream my youtube so i don't have everything up there because they're just not lovers of free speech and they like to censor me so i don't have all of my material up there unfortunately i'm on uh uh, Instagram and Twitter at Kinetic Courts. So, yeah, and I have my uh, Telegram channel as well, but you can find all of that on my website. So, absolutely. Well, I will I definitely link to all of this in the show notes that will accompany this uh, episode when it goes to podcast. Courtney Turner, your story is incredible. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing with all of my listeners. Thank you so much for having me and for everything that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate you. You too. Thank you. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to my um, myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here again every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Be sure to make your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings, americaoutloud.com. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and the videos so we can help secure America's future. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for the truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with a different Nurse Host Daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time